0: Real quick content warning. We are going to be discussing the character of Cara Dune playing by Gina Carrera. We will be generally avoiding conversations about the actress and her controversial statements until the very end of our show. So if you want to just listen to the part of Star Wars that involves the character Cara Dune, stay tuned. If you do not want to hear about anything that involves this actress, we understand. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> Everybody out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on all the details of that galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, and I'm joined by my fellow Rebel Shock Trooper, Ross. It is
1: great to be back in person this week, Mac. We have only one topic today, but it's going to be a interesting one.
0: (laughs) I don't know any other way to put it than that. This is, yeah, one of the interesting things about this, this may be one of the few topics we'll talk about that we'll explore all of it. All that because will ever be, maybe. <laughs> um, but we're talking about, actually, one of the more fascinating characters that came out of season one of The Mandalorian. We are talking about Cara Dune, the um, rebel, uh, heavy, bla- repeating blaster, total, I would, would super awesome soldier lady. Like, I don't know how you put it. Like, just this huge, powerful force of wrecking ball of a soldier.
1: Yeah, um... I don't know. It's, it's, if you didn't know any better, you might think there was some mech under there with, yeah. that, with that armor you got going on. It's a, it's a very cool design, a mm-hmm. very interesting character, and uh, obviously a uh, portrayal of a character with a controversial history now.
0: Well, there's all of that, and and we're mostly just gonna talk about how interesting the character is as far as um, how they're portrayed in Mandalorian, and kind of just get into the really cool space this character exists in for the tapestry of Star Wars. And let's get into that right now. You know, when Alderaan blew up, a lot of people... R.I.P. ...were mad.
1: Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um,
0: because the public story, as you know, it was a horrible tragedy of a mining, mining disaster. Accident. Absolutely. Awful, awful accident. Um, just like Jeddah, which had a separate, independent mining accident mm-hmm. only hours before that. Independently. <laughs> completely unrelatedly. And luckily, Scarif's a military plan, so no one heard about that story. Um... But the point is Alderaan went down and for yeah. most of the parts of Star Wars in various forms, we don't have a whole lot of space. We've seen it expressed in current canon, but very like little. little. But that often is looked at as when that started becoming the story of the real story of what happened, that it was mindlessly destroyed by a super weapon the Empire was developing. That is the thing that surges the the, repo- the rebellion. It's the thing that makes people go, go, maybe the empire isn't our friends. Maybe they are doing some bad things out there, like killing space Switzerland mm-hmm. for no reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the
1: call to the galaxy that not only are there people standing up to the tyranny of the empire, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also possible to stand up against a government that is so powerful and so uh, over-resourced and so large and so spread out that it seems like it would be impossible to take them on but it shows that even the smallest bit of defiance Mm -hmm. can have an impact and that's what really rallies people by the time we meet the rebels again a few years later they have gathered more forces to their cause and then another year after that more so and it all is because of what starts with Scarif and rogue uh, you know rogue one yep. and goes into episode 4 and obviously the destruction of alderan also spurs lots of local survivors and mm-hmm. uh, other people to join the rebel alliance both alderanians
0: and others who are impacted by the destruction of the planet and so avataristically in the current canon we have cara dune who is our example of twofold i would say one how much Alderaan and that conflict mm-hmm. spurs the rebellion mm-hmm. because she's Alderanian. She came from Alderan. She is, um, you know, supposed to be from the, you know, the peace planet. She was off world like many other people were. Like, um, actually, as I'm about to say, a character who I'm like, I don't know if they're in current canon, like Winter. Um, but we, we, we saw some of this in like the Princess Leia comic of the immediate mm-hmm. aftermath of Alderanians dealing with the horrors of what happened to them. But Cara Dune also represents the fact of by the time we meet Cara Dune, six years after Endor, um, yeah, Blackheart soldier like has seen so much war, only knows war, only can mm-hmm. function in co- in a combat context mm-hmm. and sort of that horror of wars of a, of a character who cannot move on to a civilian yeah. life. And obviously we've seen war in Star Wars. Uh, In
1: the films, in animation, and now we've seen a little bit of fighting, you know, live action Star Wars TV, but we've never really seen footage from the larger battles of the Galactic Civil War, right? We've Mm -hmm. obviously seen space battles. We have footage from the Battle of Endor and from the Battle of Hoth, but these are battles that honestly are relatively small scale. They're essentially, you know, strike teams going against each other, single battalions, when you start to look into some of the larger Star Wars lore, and my mind goes immediately to like the first Battlefront book, the one that yeah. accompanied, um, the book was called Twilight Company, the one that accompanied yep. Battlefront One, Two. Is that how we would say it? Battlefront original... Two Thousand
0: Eight.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I could No, not Two Thousand Eight. No, not Two Thousand Eight. Uh, Fifteen.
0: Two Thousand Fifteen. Does that
1: sound right? Yeah. Yeah. You know the dice, the first dice Battlefront, not the PlayStation. The 2 recent Battlefront.
0: first Battlefront.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. So Twilight uh, Company. Yes, Twilight Company, the novel. Uh, Has has some really great depictions of what it's like to be a soldier in the Rebel Alliance, Mm -hmm. you know, just fighting in these sort of like almost unwinnable situations, you know, being in the losing side constantly, but still being inspired to go forward. And then you see in the second <laughs> Battlefront novel, which is a tie into the second game, um, you see it sort of from the other perspective. And then you see someone become a defector to the Rebel Alliance, and she talks about her experience. Uh, you know, being at the first Death Star in this novel. And so there's a lot about not only Alderan in these books, but the idea of what it's like to be a person actually waging these battles. Yeah. Not one of the commanders on a bridge far away, but one of the actual people on the ground. And that was something that we saw a good bit in Star Wars Legends as well. So yeah. if you really want to sort of get a feeling for maybe, you know, what Cara Dune was experiencing, kind of the the, for lack of a better word, grittiness of actually being like, you know on the floor of Felucia fighting or yeah. you know whatever it might be there's a lot out there and that is something that I really really hope we get to see in Star Wars
0: live action TV sometime soon well, I think in some ways that's the promise of Andor because we've seen people like Cara Dune these the we, we there's that whole scene that I don't think it's sold well enough in rogue one, but where Andor is talking about like what we've done and the things that we have, you know, staining our soul, they have to mean something. It can't end here. And so you have all these people that have been fighting this asymmetrical warfare that often involves assassinations, improvised explosive devices, you know, killing stormtroopers because they're wearing stormtrooper armor and trying your best not to think that there might be a person under there who doesn't agree with the empire. Like, All these horrific things that you have to do to win a war against an overwhelming opposing force. These people have done terribly gritty things. And I think Andor, if they choose to go that, could flesh that out. And what it is to try and be a freedom fighter and doing... Because we've talked many times. Rogue One really broke me at the very beginning because Andor is very black hat. He is morally ambiguous. You see him assassinate a contact that just had been helping him up to now. And that, to me, was not normal Star Wars storytelling. That's too gritty. That's too gray for a story that is literally about the light side versus the dark side. Um, But in a TV context, I think you have the space to build him to that point. And, you know, what he's doing is what Cara Dune's character implies in her past, because I mean, even when she's talking about like her more recent history, mm-hmm, she's talking about mm-hmm. like, yeah, after Endor, I was part of strike teams. They would put us in dropships, send us alone, keep it quiet, and we would just go mop up the, you know, Imperial Warlord of the Week, the the person trying to muster together parts of the war machine and keep going. And we just kept cleaning house, kept cleaning house, and then at some point it all turned political, you know, and they, we became peacekeepers, and that's not what I signed up for.
1: And that is essentially where we meet Cara Dune. So this character is someone we've only met in one format, and that is live-action TV. Yes. We meet her in episode four, season one of The Mandalorian Sanctuary. If I remember correctly, I didn't look it up because I'm pretty sure I know that one off the top of my head uh, is the name of the episode. And this is one of my favorite episodes of The Mandalorian, just for the environment that it takes place in. So we Sargano's end up here on a beautiful the...
0: place. What's that? Sargon. Is Sorgan Ponds of Sorgan, right? Sor- I'm thinking of the soundtrack too, and I'm like, I could probably spell it. I don't. Remember I think it's I the
1: could... Ponds of Sorgan. Sorgan. I'm pretty sure there's no O at the end, but I could be wrong. So anyway, the po- the uh, anyway, the planet and Cara Dune. So Mando, Grogu, uh, have arrived here. They're on the run after recently leaving Navarro, mm-hmm. and uh, in the bar, uh, they're having some. Uh, I can't remember if it's bone broth. I know he's got some spots yes. too, maybe right. Um. And uh, he sees across the bar this, uh, this woman kind of eyeing him up, right? Sipping her drink, uh, staring them down. And he's worried that they've been followed by a bounty hunter. He leads her outside, they get into a fight, and it's a great moment. Yeah. One of the best moments of the early show, in my opinion, is just them rolling around on the floor, like, you know, getting the best of each other, getting a hit hidden, uh, you know, get someone getting the edge, and then the other person getting it right back, and then they end with their guns, both pointing at each other, and the camera just pans to Grogu there, sipping his broth. It's a great <laughs> moment and a great introduction for the character. And then if I remember correctly, right away, it cuts back. there inside the cantina again. They're drinking. They're talking. She's going over her history. And we this is where we learn all of this stuff about her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they end up uh, having their meeting. Mando says, okay, well, you're here on this planet. We won't stay here any longer. We'll leave it to you, right? And then, obviously, they'll come back together shortly, but... As far as an introduction to a character goes, mm-hmm. I think it's it's enjoyable. It's something that, one, her cool. character design is great. Yes. The armor, the colors, the hairstyle, um, you know, the tattoos, the rebel tattoo. Oh, the little rebel teardrop on her. Yeah. Under, yeah. Uh, and the armband, which obviously we learn later, is another, you know, rebel signature. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of that stuff gives her that history that we're talking about. Well, and, and you do instantly
0: believe she's that person. And at the beginning of Amanda, it was also kind of an important thing of you had this big powerhouse woman, mm-hmm. right. Representing just the fact of like, this is a galaxy of equality. And yes, there are giant super powered, you know, mercs that are ladies as well, you mm-hmm. know, because, mm-hmm. um, I think if this show was made 20 years ago, that would have just been a male character just because that you got a big beefy powerhouse person. Mm -hmm. They've got to be a guy.
1: So on the armor too, right? Like, I mean, yeah, the show does a good job starting off strong with female characters.
0: Absolutely. And so uh, it's really cool to see this kind of troubled veteran uh, person who survived a whole lot, saw, saw the stuff that would kind of like curdle your, your blood kind of terrible atrocities of war. And is, kind of like the Mando, fish out of water at this moment. Like, doesn't really have a home, doesn't really have a place. The the New Republic isn't really where they belong. Um, They're kind of looking for their next fight, and they've just been sort of doing mercenary work, but they're not... I think it's very easily implied. They're not very good at that, because they don't want to be a mercenary. They want a cause. And that's why, at the end of this episode, throwing her lot in with Mando is so great because this is what she's built for taking care of imperial equipment against overwhelming odds. This is, this is her space. (laughs) And
1: because of her help and her training, the villagers, uh, you know, the, the krill farmers are able to come together and defeat the Clatoonian raiders and a big part of that is her training and her influence you know she's there helping lead the forces when they're taking on the atst she's in the water firing with what the pulse rifle that's what that's yeah. called right um you know she's in the water actually fighting you know she's there in the tent with mando brawling fist to fist so she's part of all of this and and proving her worth right away both physically but also from a leadership standpoint here
0: yeah, and by the end, she's warmed up to Mando because she finds that Mando has, he's hes not just an empty mercenary. He does care about things, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he generally wanted to help these people, and he generally wants good things to happen to Grogu, and she appreciates that, and vice versa. He realizes that she is not like a lot of people he's met. She's a true believer in, like, idealism and stuff like that. And it just ends in a really good place, which is, mm-hmm. Fun, because that could have been the end of the character, and we, at the end of Bando Season 1, get the band back together and are starting to collect all these characters that he's had these relationships with, and Kara's one of the ones that go with him on this desperate mission to save Grogu. Yes. And so we've already, you know, we've got we've
1: got Cara Dune. We're back to pick her up now at the end of the season after leaving her her on Sorgan for, you know, the time being. So we've picked her up. We've gone to get Queel and she gets to meet now, you know, our other compatriots. She gets to meet IG-11 and now we have sort of the whole uh let's call it for lack of a better word. We have the whole gang together here. Yeah. And Cara Dune, you know, has some has some great moments here. As we get into these last two episodes of season one, you know, she is, um, not only obviously showing very capable with a blaster and all that, you know, she's got the great moment when they're arm wrestling on the ship her yeah. and Mando <laughs> and Grogu chokes her out because he thinks they're fighting. Oh, it's so, <laughs> so good. It is really, really good. Really just a small one that is like, you know, and she's great in it. The acting there is really, really good. Um, it's uh, it's great. And then as we get to, you know, episode seven here, we're, in, we're on Navarro again. Um, There's the great moment where they're fighting off the beasts around the fire, and mm-hmm. she just carries around, like, the top end of a yeah. cannon that, like, is her gun. And, like, we've seen that before in Star Wars, but it's so great just to see her it's, carry this giant thing well, around.
0: And like I said, I, I think there's something really empowering and just visually interesting about, again, just the gender switch, just mm-hmm. the idea of this is you know, uh, Dutch from from Predator yeah, running around, is. but it's a lady.
1: Oh my <laughs> god. And she's hanging out with Carl Urban. Or not Oh my god. Carl, Carl, Carl Weathers. Weathers. Carl Urban. Yeah, yeah. Carl,
0: Carl Carl Weathers from Predator, so it's now, perfect. Now, if you want to get a Carl Carl movie, I would like to see those two actors work together. Oh, That'd my be great. god. Uh, and right after Carl
1: Weathers goes down with the poisoning from the beast, she's the first one there trying to help him out. Yes. Even though he's, you know, not necessarily their ally here, showing once again and her you know
0: good-natured side yeah and and you get to the place where you know she's one of the people who i think is the most frustrated with moff gideon and an imperial remnant you know <laughs> yeah. the things she spent the last you know two decades killing did not like
1: the imperials not <laughs> no. a fan no not, at not all. a fan not a fan so uh we get to the finale here of season one you know they're fighting they're in the cantina they're uh you know they're caught they can't get out they're trapped Luckily, IG-11 comes and saves the day with the back to spray. Cara Dune is tasked with leading Grogu out, saving him, getting him to the Mandalorians, uh, you know, in the cover, Um And this is where, you know, they have their nice moment of she doesn't want to leave him behind. You know, she's fighting with him. But she respects his wishes, you know, as a, as a soldier to soldier yeah. and takes Grogu on and obviously is happy when they catch up. But, yeah. you know, that's one of their best moments together in season one is just having that when he's injured moment, you know, not wanting to leave him behind. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good emotional moment, especially with, you know, oh. Din having his helmet on. You know, you're you're she's acting against
0: nothing. So it is it's right. nice. I like that. It's a good and, moment. It's acted well. And the meat and potatoes underneath of is they have a lot in common if they, you know, it's never implied that they really talk about this, but they are both war orphans. They are both children of, like, war, you know. Mm -hmm. Cara Dune was off-planet when everything she knows was wiped out. And, you know, we meet with Din, Din, during the Clone Wars, his town gets sacked, mm-hmm. and that's how he ends up with the Mandos. Mm-hmm. Um, and so both of them sort of went into soldier cultures for the rest of their lives, and so they're, they're cut from a similar cloth, which is why there's, I think, that understated sort of, like, like you said, other characters would be the, the, the like, no, we can never leave you behind. Once he pushes back hard enough, she goes, I understand. Yeah. Because... It's tactically She's stupid. done
1: it before, you know. Too. Like, uh, yeah, she's. That's, that's it's the other side of it. Is, she's
0: hate this, but she's definitely had to leave people behind.
1: Yeah. She gets it, and she's also frustrated in that moment. We, you know, you think it's implied because she knows he probably could be saved if he would just take off his helmet and, you know, like if not he be just, a religious zealot. Yeah, you know, it's but it, it's one of those things that um it just shows the understanding of the characters wasn't the
0: entire point of the rebellion was to fight to let people live their lives the way they want absolutely Um, so yeah so in the end we we Push Moff Gideon off of Navarro. Um, <laughs> and because of all the things that have happened, Navarro is sort of just back to its sort of wild west town, this little off the grid outpost. Yeah. Um, and we we come to find that Cara kind of thrown her lot in with them.
1: Yeah. By the time we come back, you know, we can tell that time has passed we're season four of episode two now. So it's been a little bit. Plus we understand that there was a good bit of time between the two seasons. So we know that the town has grown and changed. And with that, the character has grown and changed. Mm -hmm. We meet her again, you know, quote unquote, by seeing her down underground, except this time she's hunting some people who have been stealing from local, from local people. Uh, Pretty brutal. She's straight up murdering them. I mean, they shoot
0: back, but damn. Which I like because A, she takes a shot, which is cool. Like, yeah, shakes against a... her armor, so it proves kind of like, A, why the armor's there, and B, why she is doesn't need a full encased armor because she, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, And yeah. it also implies, again, the brutality that she shows here against some street scum, right, really sells the idea of like, oh my God, what would you do to a stormtrooper? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. how 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 much violence do you have in your history if this is how you take care of a Relatively minor local altercation, or again, it also might be showing post-traumatic stress of like you are getting your yayas out here. You're getting out all this energy that you have to cage most of the time Mm -hmm, because you used mm -hmm. to have a very good outlet for it, and then the war was over. Either way, it's an interesting read on the character. Yeah,
1: whether it is that sort of uh, pent-up aggression. Or it is just the well. As soon as you shoot back, I'm you know not t- pulling any punches. Either way, it shows who that character is. And as you know, uh, Din comes back to planet is asking for help. They essentially go to raid an imperial stronghold, the last imperial stronghold on Navarro. And, and again, car- dune, thumbs up, kill more imperials. I'm there. <laughs> she's all about it. Always about taking out the imperials. Uh, you know, she's become the local sheriff of the town, as we said. Yeah. And so they arrive at this sort of refinement factory, and they break in. She does a great job of, you know, <laughs> killing anybody they need to along the yes. way. Yes. But her big moment comes when they reach this sort of um, what we perceive as a cloning facility, you know, mm-hmm. we're kind of Uh, Strand casting's
0: going on here.
1: Yeah, something, something creepy is going on here. And so we have Cara Dune not only uh, killing these scientists and, you know, they're discovering this message from Moff Gideon and learning he's still alive. But we have this really big fight out on sort of the landing pad where she still steals the transport vessel and drives it off (laughs) off of the edge. Yes. Which is a really fun moment. Very. It is. it's one of those things that just like, you know, okay, this is something we haven't seen in Star Wars, just a ship falling off the side of a mountain, you know? Yes. And it's fun. It's something different. And, you know, you see
0: her driving there. She's got some good, some one-liners and stuff. And, but it has that great Star Wars energy of like, you know, don't tell me the odds until I've already done it. It's got that energy yeah. jitty of like, is this a good idea? No, this is a terrible idea. And then you do it anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and she's successful between her... And, uh, you know, Carl Weathers, they're able to hold off the TIE Fighters and the speeder bikes until Mando gets back with the Razor Crest.
0: Right. And that's when we sort of get this implication of like, oh, well, hey, this Imperial post was destroyed and the New Republic gets his wind of this because <laughs> they're always cool with you. You took out a whole bunch of Imperials. Great. We got to write a report. But on the sly. Awesome. So much so that we'll even pay you for it. You want a job? And, and it's great because it's implied that Cara Dune now sort of gets a badge. She doesn't seem sold on the idea, but you can see it sort of playing in her mind. Yeah. Of like, so wait, you, you'll you give me the authority to just go hunt these people like hit that down. You'll pay me. <laughs> and we're all square on the like legal side on the of the legality this. of it all. And, and what it's basically doing is like, It's not specifically this, but it reminds me of, like, the countries that on the sly paid for, like, Nazi hunters to go find Nazis in South America in the 40s and 50s. Like, yeah, we want to go and arrest those people and bring them to Nuremberg and find things out. And if they don't make it because they got a ventilated head, oh, no. Um, But, yes, go do that. Is this official? Not exactly. But we think it needs done. On the outer rim... That's the whole thing is this you know. is this Outer Rim Wild West Justice mm-hmm. kind of vibe that the Mandalorian trades in a lot is these Wild yeah. West motifs. So she's basically being offered to become a ranger, like, you know, a, a marshal who can run around at their sort of own discretion, taking care of these kinds of problems. Um, And that's pretty much where we leave the character with that sort of like optimistic little blink of this is where we could go because the next time we see Cara is she's still kind of in that spot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nothing
1: has changed much for her because the next time we meet up with her, Din has come back to her because Grogu has been stolen, kidnapped mm-hmm. Um, and they are going to basically use each other to get what they need. She is going to be allowed to bring Moff Gideon to justice. He is going to use her to hunt her down and he uses her to break Miggs Mayfeld out of prison, who you may remember from yep. season one, episode six, the prisoner. So here we are episode seven of season two and Kara, Din, they go to break out Miggs off of the detention planet. We see him breaking down old TIE fighters, which is awesome. Yep. And they use him to go infiltrate an Imperial refinement facility so they can get the coordinates to Moff Gideon's cruiser. Now, during this, Kara doesn't do much. She stays up on the ridge with Fennec Shan, and they're essentially sniping the roof yeah. as our two other characters escape. But we do get to see her. You know, she throws some attitude towards him because he's an ex-Imperial. And by the end, she's showing that she can come around to the fact that, you know what, people can change. And, you know, that's a lesson right. that she learns here. And that's that's actually a really powerful story arc for her because yes. it's not something we've seen that she's able to really do before is sort of forgive an Imperial or, you know, say that, yes, you can grow and change and acknowledge that. And so that episode is really a big story arc for Dinjarin, but yeah. it also has a lot for her. And it's kind of overlooked because of the rest of the episode. Well, but because it's,
0: it's a B-plot. Well, sure, yeah, but it's yeah. still
1: very, very subtly well done. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, And it's great. And it adds a lot to the character. And that brings us to not only the finale for the season, but possibly the last appearance of the character. Yeah. Ready
0: to talk about it. Well, because basically (laughs) the the character is now in sort of a limbo um, from stuff that has nothing to do with the actual storytelling of Star Wars. Um, And there's a lot of questions on where this character is going to go because there's still a piece on the board of Star Wars. So, we could definitely see a future with comic books. We could definitely see a future with books. We mm-hmm. could see a future with recasting. Um, I, I you know, I, I, could definitely see this character with a recast showing up in like Andor, for instance, as a younger still when they're yeah. like, you know, a Hellfighter for the
1: for the uh, rebellion. It'd be great to see a whole platoon in that same armor she's wearing.
0: That would be great, yeah. great. Yeah. Um, so I think the important thing is it's a very interesting character in the landscape of Star Wars. And it's one that I do hope that they explore. And even if they decide for the for perfectly reasonable reasons to not go back specifically to this character, I would like to see more characters of this ilk. I would like to see more of what what the Galactic Civil War did to the landscape of the world. Because thankfully, we've gotten a lot of that, and we keep exploring what Clone Wars and what that you know what that did to. The entire culture and how reshaped it is. Absolutely. Um, And that same thing is happening. And we know by the time of the First Order, it's been very reshaped as a culture. And the Mandalorian timescape kind of gives us the place to start seeing, much like Mm -hmm. Bad Batch is the Mm -hmm. fallout of Clone Wars. This is the fallout of the Civil War.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so that brings us to her very last appearance here. We have the finale of season two. We see mm-hmm. her fighting her way in after they go gather, you know, uh, Cosca Reeves and um, Bo-Katan. They, they go and they are essentially fighting off, or uh, fighting their way through Moff's Gideon, Moff Gideon's cruiser, right? Mm-hmm. She's helping the Mandalorians take the ship so they can use it in their own battles, right? Mm-hmm. So we see her fight her way to the bridge, we see her, you know, encounter the Dark Troopers, or, you know, I should say, get ready to encounter the Dark Troopers. Yeah, yeah, being prepared. Yeah, yeah we, we see her meet Luke Skywalker, and that is essentially the end of it. So, you know, she has some great action moments. She has a few comedy moments where they're riding in the elevator together and her gun is jammed, and she uses it like a baseball bat to hit a, hit yeah. a trooper, you know, so she has some moments, but her arc and her story really is she- episodes, you know, from season one to. Uh, the end of season two and then this episode really she's just there to add to the action
0: right and 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 the, the only other thing we know from uh stuff that came after that is that in theory she's the one who takes custody of gideon and turns him into the yeah. new republic because we know that gideon has ended up in new yes. republic custody yes he did not like get broken out on the way
1: classic like right. old
0: west style and or since something. that was her whole conditions for being on this mission in theory, right? I think she'd help Din anyway, but like that's what she wants. She yeah. wants to bring him to justice. Yeah. And she succeeds. And essentially she
1: is the one who's at least partially uh responsible for clearing the Empire off Navarro. Yes. Which does feel like a satisfying conclusion to her character if that's all we get. But hopefully as Mac was saying, we do hope to see more from the character. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we're not going to talk about the actress here, but maybe we'll share a few thoughts on that as we wrap up.
0: Okay. and another episode of Star Wars All In here at the Palatial Star Wars Mm -hmm. All In studios. Uh, It's great to record with you again. Um, Closing time. Yeah, it's been really nice. Um, Last uh, thing I want to do, we did the content warning at the very top of the show. I'm going to say it right now. We are just going to get into a little bit of what the future of Cara Dune might be, and that does involve talking about the actress who played her. So in Mm. three, two, one. So there's a lot. When I did research for this, I realized Mm -hmm. just how conspiratorial (laughs) everything is about Gina Carrero's firing Gina Carino's if she's going to be rehired if she can make an apology and get out of it how despicable was it how did Disney feel about it all of this soup and how like saying there's a lot out there and well how she's the most load-bearing character for season three of Mandalorian but secretly we didn't know that that was Book of Boba Fett um you know, and, like, she's a super important, and then, like, the the whole, like, thing of, like, did Rangers of the New Republic fall because she's not going to be in it? Or did Rangers of the New Republic fall because it was a logo and they really didn't have any pre-production ready for <laughs> it? Like, Both it are is possible. such a wild soup to this point where I'm like, she, Gita Carrera could come back. I wouldn't be surprised. Gina Carano could be never mentioned ever again, and I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, we we do not have any insider information. No, no, on no. Star Wars All In. Um, my opinion on it is is very very simple. If if well, let's just say to if if just to summarize, if you're not familiar, yeah. Long story short, basically, what sort of started everything was Gina Carano making fun of people wanting to have their pronouns expressed. Right. And then it turned into some anti mass stuff and anti-protest,
0: all kinds of shit. But, well, the, the but, whole thing about it was, she's expressing opinions that are obviously controversial, and regardless if you can have them or not, the point is, super-duper controversial, especially coming from Disney. Yeah. Um, Disney's and, not a fan of and, controversy. And tons of people well. really were offended, for really good reasons, by what she said. And the... the The main thread of the story is Disney asked her to keep it in a box, and she specifically went out and said, Disney's asked me to keep it in the box, and I'm not going to be silenced. And Disney said, then you are no longer an employee of the Disney companies. Yeah, It's, it's very interesting because when it was all going on, there were
1: moments where obviously people were calling for something to happen to her and Disney never made any comments on it. And then things kept happening and it was funny because they kept, and then it just like was one thing too many. And all of a sudden there was this press statement, random, not attached to anything about how, Our former employee, Gina Carano, is not currently hired to do any future projects at Lucasfilm. Right. And that was all it said, but that was enough for people to take it and basically say, well, this means she was fired. Meanwhile, you're not fired if you've already finished production on the show, but
0: understandable from that viewpoint, you can say. It is an interesting thing in Hollywood of like, you've been fired of like, no, no, you just didn't get rehired, which is is a very different thing.
1: Yeah. It's so, and... uh, (laughs) Well, not to say too much, but I think it was the right decision.
0: I think there is... um... Well, like I said, it's one of those things of like, let's say you have a super controversial opinion, right? This is America, free speech. In my mindset, Mm -hmm. I've always been, you can think whatever you want. Mm -hmm. It can be the darkest, horrible stuff in the world. You know what? Because the human mind's a complicated machine. It has all kinds of aberrant thoughts. You have perspectives that are limited by what you've seen and done, and I can understand why people end up with toxic opinions. But where it becomes a problem is you expressing that mm-hmm. and campaigning for that or being corrected. Like I'll use a simple example of what I'm trying to say to separate it from her actual very toxic statements. But what she said about pronouns, right? We live in a very complicated world. If I misgender you the first time, I should feel ashamed. And when you correct me, I will use your proper pronoun from there on out. If you're not able to do that, that is because you're being an ass. I completely and, agree. And Gina Grimm, from everything we said, that's where it started. But the problem was when she was asked to correct her behavior or at least keep those thoughts to yourself privately as a part of our marketing campaign and an employee of us and representing us and our brands out there, she just couldn't be quiet about it. And that's when it completely crossed the line because it's not just you have bad opinions. You are Adamant in those bad opinions that the company can't support you on, so you're gonna have to go.
1: And uh, there are, it's, it would be totally understandable if you have confused feelings about this. Sure. This is a very complicated
0: ethical and moral situation, right? And it's very new I, for most people who yeah. don't have, like, yeah. I have a very close trans friend. I have, I had to work through a lot of understanding it and getting their perspective and understanding how complicated and weird mm-hmm. and how it makes them feel. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, not everyone has access or the empathy or the the charge to go and find out how these people feel about their yeah. situation. You and I both
1: personally know multiple people yes, who we have do. gone yeah. through transgender surgery. And like before that, I did not know nearly as much as I no. do now, right? And all of the times I've been able to speak with both of them and um it, it's fantastic. It's made me a better person for it. And so, uh, you know, I <laughs> We're not going to get into actress bashing here. But long story short, I don't agree with what she said. I am glad that she is no longer employed by Star Wars. But I do agree with Mac that people can have whatever opinions you want. But you also have to understand that people are going to have a reaction and an opinion to
0: your opinions. And And that is also allowed. And I want to say, yes, I agree Disney made the right, right decision. I'm just trying to say that, like... She wasn't fired just for political reasons. She was fired because her political reasons became untenable. Yeah. Like when when
1: you are asked to not bring a uh controversial opinion to your to a brand as a representative like the companies we work for, we're not gonna say, but you know, if we posted, ambassadors, if yeah. we posted something on social media bashing one of those companies or bashing something that they actively promote and stand for you know, we wouldn't have jobs very long. So right. this is not something that I think is so crazy out there. This We just happen to have it happen during a very politically charged time in our country. Well,
0: and what I'm trying... I guess the reason, the only reason I'm sort of playing a little devil advocate on there is like, I could see if she genuinely has a change of heart and has experiences that change her perspective, I could see Disney hiring her. It reminds me of sort of like when um, uh, James Gunn was really 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 broiled for stuff he said years ago which he was absolutely wrong then he was a bad person for saying and doing the things he was doing then but maybe kind of like the story we talked about with mayfield and stuff like but he grew as a person and realized his behaviors were toxic and hurt people and grew as a human being to eventually try to get away from some of that. And like,
1: growing as a human being is a big theme of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's hard in the real world uh, to grow as a person because the world, frankly, I think sometimes doesn't want
0: people to grow and change. And, but we have to acknowledge when they do. And I think the fear of cancel culture has inversely made people get stupidly adamant about their opinions. Like, great example. J.K. Rowling's helped a lot of single moms in the UK and it was one of the biggest advocates for them. And then she expressed a toxic opinion she had on her inside side. Oh, well, that happens. Again, You maybe you haven't learned. Maybe you haven't seen these people. Maybe you haven't found the right way to empathize with, with them. But then when you entrench yourself in that bad opinion, when millions of people try to correct your erroneous views on these things, that's when you start dismantling it and if you're Warner Brothers, New Line c- Cinemas, like, and all these companies that build, uh, your Universal Studios Orlando, you're really going could you please shut the hell up, you are ruining your brand by making yourself such a monster person that like, yes, if the Wizarding World holding companies could fire J.K. Rowling, they would have by now because it's the same thing of if you have a bad opinion, keep it to yourself. Like, simple as that. But we are such a vocal culture now, and everything we say gets so scrutinized that some people are just like, well, you either have to be canceled or pure as the driven snow. And I'm like, humans are not going to usually fit in that box, but like, don't run away from pure driven snow. Don't run <laughs> away from the right thing. Um, and last but not least, yeah. I think the thing that I'll say that also hyper disappoints me about our current cultural discourse about uh, actors and actresses is I want to see Cara Dune again. That character specifically hire a different actress. Yeah, Couldn't agree more. But we don't do that. We are so obsessed with like digitally putting masks over stuntmen mm. and stuff because we're just so afraid of these actors star power not being useful that like it's disappointing to me that I will never see if Cara Dune becomes a rebel ranger because her actress has basically sunk the character that they don't want to touch it. Yeah. And that's it's. I mean, I agree
1: that it's frustrating that the character may never be brought back because of the actress. Yeah. And I also, (laughs) you know, we've talked about this at length, that I agree, you know, CGI, whatever. I'm glad we can do it. There may be times where it's useful, but geez,
0: just hire new actors, please. As good as Luke looked, you could have saved yourself a lot of money in R&D time by just hiring the... The guy underneath the digital mask is probably close enough. Maybe he needs dubbed, but like probably close enough. It's I just
1: feel like I don't like you, Mac, don't want to cross that horizon of we don't need actors anymore. We'll just everything is a animated movie now. And I don't want that. I don't want that at all. And uh, in my opinion, the characters are bigger than the actors. Yeah. It may be painful to think about or say, but Leia Organa is bigger and more important than Carrie Fisher. I mean, not in a literal sense, you know, a human
0: life is more important than a made up thing. No, 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 no. What I'm what saying is I mean. is, like, is they're a character. Yeah. You can, they can be played by multiple people. I think the way you could say that in a, in a, as forceful, but nicer way, Leia Organa should be allowed to outlive Carrie Fisher. For sure. That's For sure. Okay. I I mean, I completely agree. And I'm sure there are
1: lots of people who don't. I understand where you're coming from and that, you know, they they have a, the character is them and they are the character. And I can understand that opinion, but, you know, sometimes you just, you want, (laughs) it's the same thing as our, as my Star Wars opinion. You know, I am glad that we have more Star Wars content post 2005, even if it's not all perfect and I don't love it all. I'm glad that it exists. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Even, you know, I loved Solo. If it had been a bad movie,
0: I still would have been happy that we tried. Well, and in my opinion, Hamlet has existed for more than 400 years. (laughs) Hamlet will exist for probably another 400 years. And the reason is because... Denzel's played it every time. Well, but what I'm saying is because the character is larger than any particular actor that's played them. Yeah. Um, And I, I think that's important. You ready to wind this down? Yeah, I feel like I don't have anything else to say about CD. Right. I just want to say, just put two things out there. At the time of this recording, the world's in a crazy place. Sure. We've just talked about a lot of things, and I want to make sure that we clearly state trans rights are human rights, oh, and yes. everything going on in Texas is toxic as hell. Oh, yeah. If you are a Texan, by all means, either get out or fight the battle to the absolute wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've given have given some of the different causes that are out there to try and get that disgusting law um, worked on and hopefully repealed or at least made into something that people can actually deal with. Um, And also uh, shout out to the Ukraine um, who for the second time in recent history are fighting off a Russian invasion while the world looks on saying, we don't like that. Yeah, obviously there's lots of depressing things uh,
1: to say about all of this, but uh, Mac, I, uh, I think I should just say, yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, uh, best of luck to all of the rebellion out there, yep. both in, in Texas, uh, fighting for human rights and yes. in Ukraine, fighting for human rights and human life. And, um, you know, we, we, we wish everyone the best, obviously these last couple of years have been, uh, not the best for us as a species. And, uh, let's hope that maybe this'll be
0: Starting to get back to better days. I I think. What else
1: to say about that?
0: To bring it back around to the whole reason we're here, (sighs) things are often darkest right before the dawn.
1: Isn't that true?
0: All right. And until we get to another dawn next Wednesday, I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2022.